You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey everybody, my name's Adina Porter. I get to play Pearlie May in the WGN's Underground, and I'm also on The 100 on the CW, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Anika Noni Rose, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Sam Benjamin, uh, creator and star of The Few. You're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Lisa Joy from Insecure, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, it's Samal Lathan, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. tuning in to episode 151 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled Hellfest and Girls Build. Two segments. In our first segment, we interview actress Rain Edwards. She plays the role of Brooke in the new teen slasher horror film Hellfest, which is currently in theaters. In our second segment, we have a snippet of a recording Featuring TV showrunner and owner of Thursday Nights, Shonda Rhimes, as she speaks at the LA Promise Fund's Girls Build Leadership Summit, focused on voter registration and voter turnout. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, 151, Hellfest and Girls Build. Enjoy! Rain Edwards is an actress that is best known for her role on the CBS soap opera, The Bold and the Beautiful, for which she was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Younger Actress in a Drama Series in 2016, 2017, and 2018. You can currently find her playing the role of Brooke in the new teen slasher horror film, Hellfest. Hey, Rain. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for reaching out. (laughs) I'm really excited. I was really excited when I saw Black Girl Nerds. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I saw the Black Girl interview. Oh yes, yes. Listen, we we're big fans, and uh, I think a lot of our readers are going to be excited to see what you have to say about this new film, Hellfest, which I saw, and I loved it. I love slasher films; they're great, um, oh, and I great. really, I really love Brooke. Brooke is like amazing, and I'm glad she doesn't die. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> I know. My sister was scared to. Wa- my older sister was scared to watch. She's like, "Rain, I can't watch it if you die." And I was like, "All right, well." <laughs> Like, we don't laugh at movies, so, you know. I'm I know. Sorry. I was scared, too, when I was reading. I was like, please don't die. <laughs> well, for our readers that don't know what the new CBS film, Hellfest, is all about, can you briefly uh, give us a summary of the movie? Yeah. Um, basically, it's a group of college kids that um, go to this traveling horror night called Hellfest. And Hellfest is, like, full of mazes and cool rides and tons of people in costumes scaring people all the time. But what they don't know is that um, some stranger came in the park and actually put on one of the costumes and is actually killing people. Wow. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) And you, you play Brooke, who is very fearless in this, pretty terrifying situation that our friends are caught up in. Did you pull from any other characters you've seen when you were preparing for this role? Um, I didn't. I didn't really pull um, from anybody other than, like, my – just my experiences as a person. Um, I'm very protective of my friends and family and um, also very, like, playful and, and teasing with them a lot. So I think those are things that me and Brooke have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm just very – naturally as a person, I'm, I've always been very protective of family and friends, and I was able to play that and bring that out in Brooke as well. Do you have any um, – you know, aside from that, are there any other strong parallels that you connect with when you were reading the character of Brooke? What is it that you have in common with her? Um, well, it ended up, I think, getting taken out. But originally, there was a line when I was reading the script about Brooke, and it's, I know it's probably going to be weird, but it was talking about churros. <laughs> and I love churros. Me too. And I saw she was like, and I love churros. So there was like originally like a line where um, Quinn says something about going to get funnel cakes, and I was like, bullshit. And then he goes, there are churros. I'm like, let's go. And I'm, and I read that, and I was like, I have to get this part because I love that's me. And I'm like, I love churros like that. <laughs> um, so that was definitely like, I'm. That was something I was so excited about. And they actually let me eat real churros. I'm not sure if it got in the film, but um, I was like pressed on having those churros because you know, Brooke has them. I should really get to eat some real churros, and they did. And they gave me just a whole bunch of churros. <laughs> That's awesome. It, I mean, it looked, even though this is a scary movie and obviously um, it's a pretty terrifying thing to see, oh, this psycho killer, um, you know, slashing kids, but the the actual setting of this film, it, it looked like it was a really huge amusement park. So did it actually take place in like a haunted festival or was this something that was actually built on a set? Um, a little bit of both in terms of like there we did actually film at um we filmed at Six Flags, uh, uh one oh. of their parks in Atlanta. Um and uh they but they did build a lot of the set at Six Flags. Um so they just built up a lot of the scary stuff because they don't have anything. They're scary. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it wasn't the actual park, it was like the water park or something like that. Right. And so they just built a lot of the scary set within that space. And then um, we filmed at a studio lot 
and they built up the mazes inside of there. Okay, so the different kind of rides, and um, I think there was like a scene where uh, we see, like, I guess they do the little thing where they the throw the, the I don't know what it's called, the, they toss the ball at something, and then you get an animal or something like that. So that part was also called. Oh, the, like the fair games? Yes, yes, the fair games. That's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did film some of those outside, and then we filmed some of them inside at the studio. So they okay. Set them, but they did set them up both times, I believe. Awesome. Did you go into any kind of haunted houses or do any sort of research about haunted festival parks while preparing for this? Well, what's really funny is that I was not into those before. Like, I was genuinely, like, I've had friends trying to get me to go to those things for years. Hmm. And um, I was just genuinely always scared that I might hit somebody or, like, <laughs> if someone's <laughs> jumping out at me. I didn't know, uh, you know, I didn't know what my reflexes were going to do. Um, but, and I had, like, gone to the Queen Mary, like, years before, and it wasn't, like, as scary to me. So I was like, oh, this is fine. But I knew that was, like, kind of, like, at the time, the least scary of, of different of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like going to use that as my write-off as to why I don't need to go anymore. But <laughs> one of my best friends <laughs> tricked me into going to Netherworld uh, last year. And I actually ended up loving it. And that was a month before I got the audition for Hellfest. So, wow. Um, yeah, it's it was really crazy. So you had a nice little warm-up before going into Hellfest. Yeah, and after that, <laughs> I, like, voluntarily went to Not Scary Farm in L.A. when I got back to L.A. Um, so, yeah, I did have a nice little warm-up. <laughs> what would you say scares you the most? Oh, we got to keep that on the low-low. I can't be telling everybody my scary secrets. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find ways to scare you. <laughs> I know okay. people crazy. You never know. That, no, that's tr- that, look. That's good to cl- keep that one close to the chest. So okay, that's good. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. What what makes Hellfest unique from other slasher films that we've seen before? I think what makes it unique is that it still has that like nostalgic ode to the classics, but it's set in today's modern world of what it's like to experience Halloween. Um, you know, they have the, the glow-in-the-dark mazes. They have just the feel of what it's like to be a young person during Halloween, like this this in this time. So I think that's what really makes it shine is that you see these college kids that you can relate to today and that it still has that feel of a, of a classic horror film, classic slasher. And last question, do you have a favorite scary movie and what is it and why? Help us. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I don't really watch scary movies. I'm still working on it. I'm, like, really good at going to see thrillers, but full-on, like, scary, like, slashers, I'm still working on not jumping around in my seat like a lunatic when I'm watching it. So I'm just going to say Hellfest for right now because it's a shameless plug, you know? <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome.
Um, well, Rain, thank you so much. I really enjoyed watching your performance in Hellfest, and it was a really good movie. And all the best to you in your career. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope to speak to you guys again soon. Absolutely. Take care. That was Rain Edwards talking about her role in the new film Hellfest, which is currently in theaters nationwide. Before we get to our next segment with Shonda Rhimes, I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about a new product that I've checked out, which I think you guys are going to love. It's called Scentbird. It's a subscription service to get different kinds of perfumes. So consider it like the Netflix of selecting your favorite fragrance. And these aren't just any kinds of perfumes. These are designer brands that you get to choose one every month. There's actually up to 450 brands. The ones I selected were Versace, Dolce & Gabbana, Philosophy's Amazing Grace, which is like one of my favorite scents, and Burberry. And I love this because they're in these small bottles and it's about a 30 day supply. And one of the things about perfumes that have always kind of irked me a little bit is I'll go somewhere and I'll buy a bottle of perfume and I'll have all of this perfume because I don't use a whole lot of it. I'll just spritz one or two sprays here and there. But then, you know, it'll be sitting on my shelf for a long time, sometimes even years, and I don't end up using the whole bottle. And I can't begin to tell you how many bottles of perfume that I've thrown out over the years because I've never finished the whole thing. So it's a really cool concept that Scentbird has put together for those of us that love to smell good and like some highbrow designer brand fragrances to wear. So definitely check out Scentbird.com. That's Scentbird.com. And with this exclusive offer, you're going to get 50% off of your first month subscription. That's right. Only $7.50. So that's Scentbird.com. That's S-E-N-T bird.com slash nerds. That's what you're going to use to get 50% off of your first order. Use the code nerds for 50% off of your first month. That's S-E-N-T bird.com forward slash nerds. Also, you can text and get the code that way. So text 246-810. That's 246810 with the code NERDS. If you text the code NERDS to 246810, guess what? You're going to get 50% off of your first month using Semper. This is a great deal. Designer brand perfumes, only $7.50 your first month. And do this as long as you want and get as many selections of scents that you want. It's definitely worth a shot. And keep in mind, message and data rates may apply. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at www.textrules.us. Texting enrolls for reoccurring automated marketing messages. Check out Scentbird. TV powerhouse Shonda Rhimes wants young women not only to vote, but to use their voices to affect change. This is a snippet of a recording of her speech at the LA Promise Fund's Girls Build Leadership Summit. And this is an event focused on voter registration and voter turnout ahead of those midterm elections, which should be on your radar coming up soon. So take a listen to just a small short clip of Shonda Rhimes sharing her own experience as a modern day storyteller. This was recorded by Jeandra LaBeouf. 
Enjoy! Some people out there have ideas when it comes to how hard women work, and their ideas can suck it. So, if you ask me in front of sort of the grown-ups, in front of company, while I'm wearing like my nice clothes, that's what I will tell you. But if you ask me when it's just us, when it's just you and me here in the back room with the 10,000 of you, it's not that fancy. It's simple, I mean, let's get real. I can tell you what I do in one short sentence. I'm a storyteller. I tell stories. Yeah. I tell stories for a living, and they're mostly made up stories. I make stuff up for a living. I spin yarns, I weave dreams, I just, whatever I want, I make stuff up for my job. It's a job. That's what I do, and it's not new. It's not a new job, it's not special. It's a job that is old as time itself. It's tribal. It's basically a campfire. I imagine stories and then I tell them around what at some point humanity all collectively agreed to treat as a modern campfire. The television screen, or really any screen these days. It's our campfire. You gather around and I tell you stories. The show starts, a spark is lit, a fire begins, and if the wood is good and the flame is strong, we all have this warm, cozy campfire to gather around. And it burns and burns for a very long time. And that campfire becomes a community. And we show up at that community campfire each week to hear the next tale. We have a campfire community. The stories and the shows have built this campfire community, and the stories have built basically just a full-on community. And suddenly, you have a tribe. So that's what I do. I build tribes. In modern times, that's what a good television show does. It builds tribes, it builds communities, it builds a following of loyal fans. It creates stands and shippers. It makes some Olitz people and some Calzonas and some Team Jakes and some Wig Snatched Annalise lovers. A tribe is a powerful thing. There's a sense of belonging and a sense of loyalty and a sense of team and a sense of purpose sometimes. Grey's Anatomy is a campfire that so bright and so long that its first sparks continue to attract and warm new communities, even while the original community is busy adding logs to the fire for the 340th time in 15 seasons. So, I build tribes with campfire stories. But here's the thing that matters. Many of those tribe members are people who maybe have nothing in common except the story I'm telling them. My Shondland audience is ages 12 to 75. They're all genders, all colors, all abilities. They're in 256 different territories. They speak, they speak 67 different languages. 
and they all gather for the same stories. That means my campfire is burning for an audience of very liberal teenage girls on one side of the globe. At the same time, it burns for a group of very deeply conservative grandmothers on the other side of the globe. And I'm talking about more than 30 million people or so, so all over the world. They couldn't be more different, and they couldn't be more the same. All of those people, so different from one another, absolutely nothing in common, all of them diligently coming together year after year for one reason, one cause, one campfire. I mean, think about that. America, if we can do that for a television show, a television show, surely we can figure out how to do it for something as important as democracy. Every election day, we should all be gathering around the same campfire as one community to do the thing that matters most to the future of this country, which is vote. Yeah. So, you know, my friend, First Lady Michelle Obama, was one of the people who asked me to come and speak to you. She asked me to talk to you about voting, and I was happy to say yes. Because Mrs. Obama feels really strongly about the power of voting. And she has launched When We All Vote, You All Know, which is really dedicated to making sure that all of you can be involved and get your voices heard loud and clear. And I'm really glad to support her, and Lin-Manuel, and Janelle Monet, and Tom Hanks, and Chris Paul, and all these amazing people involved in this organization. Because I know how powerful voting is. And I know you all agree with me. It's amazing to see how active and involved you guys all are in the political process. And if you're not active and involved, now is the time to get active and involved. I will admit that when I was 18 or 22 or so, I was a vote only every four years kind of person. And I didn't even then pay that much attention to who was running in all the um, races. I didn't know that much about the candidates. But for several years now, I've been working really hard to fundraise and I've traveled the country as a campaign surrogate and I've worked hard on issues that are important to women and girls. And I'm telling you, every election counts. We can't afford to sit back and do nothing now. None of us can. And it is quite clear that if you want your voice to be represented, if you want your face to be represented, then you have to get involved. You have to be a citizen. You have to vote. You do not want anyone else determining the course of your future. And I'm going to repeat that. You do not want anyone else determining the course of your future. If you care about women's health, or gun control, or the criminal justice system, or public education, or civil liberties, or immigration rights, or religious rights. If you care who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee, no matter which side of the aisle you stand on, the only lasting way to make change or protect your issues is through the political process. The people you vote for, the people who are elected, are the people who determine how those issues are handled. The city council, the sheriffs, the judges, the controllers, the house, the senate, the mayors, on and on. It's all about voting. So, the causes you take up right now matter. The fundraising for the candidates you do matters. The social media campaigns you wage have impact. The voters you register and get to the polls change elections. Now, I have a 16-year-old daughter. Her name is Harper. And one of my favorite things about her and everyone your age is that you are all kind of wild cards to the rest of us older people. And it's wonderful, because we have no idea what you're going to do. You think differently, you act, you care, 
And I'm like, a lot of us, you believe. And there are more of you who come from more diverse backgrounds and more backgrounds of color than any other generation in the history of the United States. <laughs> Your generation, more than any other, has the political power right now to change the course of history in ways that none of us can even begin to imagine. And that can start right now, today. It can start as individuals, because every single vote matters, but it can also start, more importantly, together, because that's what today is for. Today is about every last one of you working together, using your collective voices and power and influence to inspire each other to vote and take part in elections, and make a difference and demand change. Today is about coming together. Individually, you can accomplish so much, but you don't have to do it individually. Because look at where we are. Look around. There are 10,000 girls here. Look at what you're part of. There's the LA Promise Fund and Girls Build. They're doing great work. With 10,000 girls, you're in a tribe. And a tribe is a powerful thing. It is a sense of patriotism, a sense of team, a sense of purpose. So we do not sit on the sidelines. We do this together. We're powerful. And after all, we are women. And we all know if we want something done right, we put a woman in charge. And so today, right now, women, this is your opportunity to take advantage of everything offered here. Use this important resources to go back out into your schools and your communities and Gather your own tribes. Build your own campfires based on making change, using your activism, raising your voice to get heard. Like I build tribes with my stories, but you can build your tribes with your activism. So what can you do right now? If you're 18, you can vote. It's your right and every vote counts, as you know. Always vote. What else can you do now? If you're 17 and turning 18 before the next election, pre-register to vote. Yep, you pre-register and you'll be added to the voter registration rolls on your 18th birthday, as you all know. What else can you do now? You're not part of Girls Build? Go to the LA Promise Fund's website and apply to join. You're smart and you are the future, so go create some change. Yeah. What can you do now? You can pick up your phone and you can start the conversation. You can tweet, you can snap, you can post on Instagram. You can do whatever else, social media things you do that we don't even know about yet. Start here today. Whatever's important to you. Lawmakers make decisions and create laws that impact you and your mom and your dad and your community. Voting is power, so you grab your tribe and you go and you be powerful. When we all vote, as we all know, we can change the world. Thank you for listening to me. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Broadnax, M.R. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Spotify.